Welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I am Michael. That this is the inaugural episode of our Titans of Travel series. And who better off to kick it off than Andy Mankis of Partnership Travel Consulting. Welcome, Andy. We know he's been in the game for a long time, so he's going to have a lot of insight. And we are so excited to uh, to get the show on the road. From his compound in Florida, nonetheless. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. I wish it could have been in person, but I'll save that for the inaugural uh, session. In a few Fair months. enough. Yeah, we could do that too. And you could blame COVID for us doing it from here. But yes, absolutely. And please, guys, like, subscribe, comment, and share. Really boosts our viewership, and it would be greatly appreciated so andy 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 when i first met you it was at the palm in chicago at gbta and we had this epic meal with all these travel managers and you were there and how did you get into travel because like that's not like something that everyone gets into so how did you how more along the lines of how did you get dragged into travel well um it's probably not uh, too common of a story um, I was in my um, 20s, actually about 20, 21. And so I was like five a, years ago, about five. Uh, six years yeah, ago. thank you. Yeah, hey, the, the second check is in the mail for you as well, thank Michael. You. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> so I was uh, you know, 20, barely 20 years old, and I was a salesperson in the garment center in New York City, specifically selling buttons, buckles, and ornaments. We'll say that part for another day. And I was hanging out with a bunch of friends uh, at lunch because we all uh, took a two-hour lunch break and said that I've always wanted to be in the airline industry. I'd give anything uh, to get a job with an airline. And one of the guys said to me, well, a friend of mine from the National Guard is uh, at TWA. I'll see what I can do. Next thing you know, I got myself an interview at TWA. Wow. And I remember the magic question that they asked me, which was, would I object to having my phone calls being recorded? And I answered immediately, no, I would treat every call as if I were recorded. And the man stood up and said, congratulations, you're hired. Wow. Yeah. That was, that so was what, was, what was that position at TWA? Oh, I started in general reservations. And wow. I, I naively believed, because it was at Two Penn Plaza in the middle of the garment center, that my shift would be somewhere like 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Uh, to my surprise, my first shift was uh, 4.30 p.m. to 1 a.m. with Tuesdays and Thursdays off. Wow. So I learned quickly. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Um, from TWA, you know, did you just – where did you go from there? Well, I had a really good run at TWA. Um, <clears throat> I will date myself because if you look me up, you'll figure out I've been in the business 40 years. Mine was the first class to use a computer. Oh and God. I was I was uh, so fascinated by them that I decided I'm going to play with it. And I watched my supervisor log in. And then when he wasn't looking, I logged in as he. And then I created my own supervisor sign, logged him out. And I'm playing and I'm seeing things I know I have no business to see. And at one point it said message sent. And that just didn't sound right. <laughs> so I logged out, got rid of the sign in, blah, 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 went out for a, a smoke break, came back. And there were three supervisors at my desk. Uh, Mr. Mankus, do you have a supervisor sign? No, I don't. Well, somebody sitting at your terminal sent a pre-formatted teletype address to the Geneva office to evacuate due to a bomb threat. Oh, my God. That was the page I pulled up. But from that, I ended up going into the automation department. I ended up being the uh, the head of regional automation for TWA. What uh, does that mean? 
We installed computers at uh, very large travel agencies and corporate accounts. So that's kind of how I got some of my original mm -hmm. contacts. And right. after nine years there, I uh, uh, had a colleague who said, let's open a travel agency. So at the age of 28, I opened a travel. No? Did you say no? I should, in retrospect, I should have said no, uh, but that's again for another story. Uh, so we did open our travel agency uh, in New York City in the Garmin Center. Um, and what, my first client was, was Morgan Stanley. It was priority travel. Okay. And my first client was Morgan Stanley and Company. And then within two years, uh, by the time I was 29, we had an office uh, in London and Hong Kong. So I was global wow. by the time I was 30. So I left TWA to start a travel agency. That's incredible. And, and that's yeah. how you got into travel. And I mean, once you get in, there's no getting out. That's what you just see time and time again. Yeah, I knew I was never going back to selling buttons, buckles, and ornaments. To, you know, <laughs> no matter how how sexy it sounded, uh, you know, over a dinner conversation. Yeah, I believe that once the travel industry is in your blood, it's it stays. Uh, was there any regrets leaving that industry and coming into travel, Andy? No, I, I had a horrible boss um, who treated me poorly, um, and I quit. And the whole office was going to go on strike to support me. So instead, I got called back in the next day. My boss apologized in front of the crew for what he had done to me in terms of making me be his errand boy. And I basically said, uh, go do something to yourself that you should do in private. I was, mm -hmm. I was more uh, specific. And then sure. I quit. Wow. Because uh, I had the job interview, interview done with TWA. It was that quick. Mm -hmm. So no, um, I would never go back now. I can tell you, I've worked with two airlines. Mm -hmm. uh, neither of whom are in business anymore. I've worked for a number of big travel management companies, most of whom are not in business anymore. Isn't that a trip? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, the, the hardest part was being able to give references. Right. If I applied for a job, because seriously, in, in, in almost every case, the company was no longer in business. Mm -hmm. And I mean, today in the COVID-19 world, it's happening every single day now where you see another company merging and other companies disappearing. Americans laying off 20,000 people. You know, that was front page news this morning. Uh, it's August 26th. You know, yeah, I saw that. And United had a similar announcement. Um, and um, I'm sure um, both of you uh, rock stars know that I only reopened my company two months ago. Right. I was working for uh, one of the three largest TMCs, travel management companies in the world. Mm -hmm. And somebody said to me, why the hell would you leave a steady paying job to go back into consulting? And I said, well, next year is going to be my 20th anniversary. Wow. I founded my company in 2001. Mm -hmm. I did my first conference two months after 9-11 yep. and succeeded. So um, I welcome a challenge. And I also believe that I would trade pay security for job security. It's my own mm -hmm. company. I'm back with a lot of my colleagues. I can't guarantee to my uh, wife how much money we'll have next month or next year, but I can guarantee no one's gonna no one's gonna lay me off for any reason. So. I think it's I think it's a brilliant move because I think now more than ever people need consultation in the travel world because if some you feel a, a loss sometimes you know you feel lost. Yeah, Eric, I agree. I'll share with you a quick story that helped guide me in that. It's probably folklore, but it goes something like there was a Greek shoemaker in the year five, and he sent both of his sons to Italy to see if there's a market for shoes. Uh, 
The oldest son sends back a message. No, dad, there's no market. Everyone here is barefoot. The second son sent a message. Let's move the factory to Italy. <laughs> so it's just really how you look at it. So, yeah, I do see this as an opportunity. I'm not being opportunistic. Uh, the impact of COVID has been horrible to to families, friends, uh, the industry, et cetera. Uh, but uh, Michael, to your point, I, I saw this as the best time for me to go back to what I, I've done best, which is running a global consulting firm and ideally uh, listening to clients and offering solutions. Let me so, ask you a question. Oh, go ahead, Eric. Did you want to? No, 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 go for it. Jumping back to your travel agency when you when you opened up globally, how hard was that back in, uh, you said 2001? To open up, you had an office in London, correct? Yeah. How yeah, hard well, was that to do? Well, you see me smiling. So, um, and because I'm among friends, uh, I'll share the quick story. It was very difficult to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And the first potential client for us was, in fact, Morgan Stanley. Mm -hmm. And they said, look, we, we think we'd like to do business with you guys, uh, you folks. Uh, but we want to come by the office and kick the tires. Now, mind you, the, the agency was only three months old. Uh, we were subleasing very small space. We had, had five res agents, enough room for 30. I said, okay, come by on Friday at 4. And they said, why Friday at 4? I said, well, it's the end of the week. I'm near Penn Station. I'm near uh, Grand Central Port Authority. You'll come by. You'll visit the office. Um, and you can go home for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And they said, great. The method to my madness was I was subleasing space from a Hasidic Jewish businessman Mm -hmm. who I know on Friday leaves at three. And with prior arrangement, he gave me the key to his office. So I moved my nameplate over to his desk in his office on the other side of the floor. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, four o'clock, they come by. I show them the res office. I said, why don't you guys come to my office? Bring them down the hall. We're sitting down. I'm 28 years old. Mm -hmm. And they're looking over my shoulder. And they're, they're like, you know, making a skeptic face. I said, what goes on? And they looked. They said, you've got a big family. I never took his family pictures down. <laughs> so you, you, I, didn't have, you didn't have sitzes or anything, right? No, nothing. No, <laughs> no, not the long curly hair. So uh, in deadpan, I, I, I said, I got married young. So I told them the truth. And they said, because you told the truth and because you were ingenious enough to try and pull this caper off, but not lie about it, you've got our business. That is sometimes such, that is the key, Eric. I'm sorry. That is the absolute key in travel. And I've learned I've learned the hard way that when we when BLS has messed up in the past, you know, when I was a young a young gun saying, "I'll oh, just say the driver was there," you know, you the the more you tell the truth, the more clients want to use you. It's the the driver wasn't because there. travel is right. The whole goal of being a travel supplier is to make uneventful travel, right? So when there is an incident, you you have to be 110% honest. Right. And I've had my share of uh, challenging limo experiences, not with your company. Those experiences were really good. Andy, the checks in the mail. Actually, it says you. fantastic. Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> your handwriting there. Um, and there's nothing worse than feeling you're being lied to. Okay. So one other uh, quick incident that goes with this, uh, I worked for another big agency and uh, took the uh, global head of travel for a bank out to see the call center. And on the wall were the, you know, those 3M flip chart papers. They're like two feet wide and three feet high. Mm -hmm. And they're all up on the wall with the various discount codes for a corporate client's group movements. Hmm. She looked at me and said, what the hell kind of technology is that? Kind of the same shrug. I said, no glue. Right. <laughs> I had no answer. 
Right. And I didn't, and I didn't lie to her. So uh, again, I think the key in our industry and, and I've actually written uh, articles to it is about transparency. It's, it's, you know, it's the primary currency of travel. You know, what's so amazing is that what we do is for people. It's by people. And I feel like, you know, the, the Googles of the world and the travelocities of the world, they try and push automation. And I feel like automation is great on paper. Um, but then when it actually goes into action, the type of travel that we help facilitate is nuanced and you can't do it by pressing a button. And I just feel like that's why Andy Mankus exists is because it's so nuanced. It, it is. And Eric, I was thinking about, um, this industry, as you were saying that the airlines have an ATC system as antiquated as it is. They do have controllers that control airplanes on the ground, in the exactly. air, landing and takeoff. Hotels don't have to worry about what time the guest gets in. If anything, they can sell the room twice. Car rental companies, hey, as long as the car is on the lot, go have a nice day. In your industry, you're subject to traffic, yep. weather, yep. um, flat tires, um, you name it. Um, New York City, LA traffic. And and the most important thing of all is the chemistry between the passenger and the driver. There yeah, are literally so, 5,000 things that can that, go wrong for one reservation. And we cringe when someone has to make multiple changes to an itinerary because someone will press a two instead of a three. It happens. Someone will, will the say- The driver's going to get stuck behind a dumpster. Yeah. Right? There are so many variables. Yeah. People don't yeah. understand. And, 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 and when you try and compare ground travel to, to any other type of travel- it's no contest. Oh, yeah. I agree. Uh, I'm glad I'm not on your side of the industry. It's hard. It yeah, really I mean, is hard. We were, we were born into it, so we didn't really have a choice. Right. 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 Well, I do. I do know um, uh, your mom uh, was on a panel with me last week, and one of her greatest stories was an executive from a uh, Hollywood studio was leaving Midtown Manhattan for a flight, and traffic was snarled. Uh, the Pope was in town, yeah. and he uh, had his. Um, he screamed at the driver, can't you do something? The driver said, the Pope's in town. He said, make a phone call. Apparently, he had his admin call your mom, mm-hmm. CEO of the company, and say, call the Vatican, mm-hmm. reroute the traffic. Yep. Yep. Yes. You, yes. Yeah, that I, happened, but that still happens today. That's, that's par for the course. When I, and you guys I, didn't know I, I was going to bring up the story, so this is not a can- – trust me. This no. is not a can discussion. I – no, no. I mean, we didn't, no, nothing was planned in, right. in, in our interviews. We don't plan anything. We just, I read off your LinkedIn bio and then we go. Right. Our, our, well, we, people say like, you know, do you have questions, comments? What, what could I plan for? I say plan like we're sitting, like what I said when I opened this, we're sitting at the Palm in a random city. We're sitting, we've never met each other. I want to know about you. I want to know how you got into your position. I want to know who taught you the lessons you learned, you know, the best lessons you learned. Sure. And, and that's what this podcast is about. I don't. I didn't know much about you, Andy. I knew that you were in travel. I knew you were a consultant. I knew you owned this firm. Um, so I, I didn't know you worked at TWA. That's incredible. What I want to know: yeah. What does PTC do? Partnership Travel Consulting. What? Like, well, what is? What does that you, mean? How did you yeah. get to that? How did you like? Did you just jump from that travel agency to um, to your current co- company? No. Um, and I think I'll uh, answer in, in the order that pe- the questions were posed. Uh, the name Partnership Travel Consulting was one that I came up with because my original travel agency back when I was in my 20s was Priority Travel. I already had the PT. Right. And I thought, you know what? I somehow want to um, 
um, memorialize that, even if it's just me that knows it. So now you know it, okay? Because I had original, you know, PT, and they said, "Where'd you come up with the name?" I said, "What's the best wait list to have?" Priority wait list. So that's where I came up with the name. Awesome, like that. Yeah. Um, now the 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 current company, which I founded 19 years ago, uh, was um, as a result of my just before then having worked for a bank. I was the global head of travel for a bank. Wow. Uh, did some pretty cool things, including a direct connect with British Airways and JetBlue. Very cool. I'm sure you, you've read up on that. But to tie how I got into consulting, uh, my wife and I were coming back from our vacation in Hawaii, and we were in the front of the plane. This gentleman gets on with his wife and two daughters, and each has a T-shirt from a different island in Hawaii. So there's no one else in, in first class but us. I said to him, so have you been to all those islands? He said, yeah, we have. I said, how long have you been away? He said, four weeks. Oh, my God. I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a consultant. <laughs> the bells went off. <laughs> the light bulb. <laughs> I said to Cindy, um, I'm going to be a consultant. So when I came back to work, I said to my boss, I have good news and bad news. He said, what's the bad news? I said, I quit. He said, well, then what's the good news? I said, you could be my first client. I'll do your your global travel agency bid. So Eric, tying, uh, Michael, tying that to what we do, we um, listen uh, to corporate travel buyers mm -hmm. to understand what their current program looks like, their travel program, airline, hotel, ground transportation, meetings, payment system, policy, and then guide them towards options to improve it. So I, I came up with an acronym, ROI, no, that's not original. We all know it's return on investment, but I've twisted it. It's reduce, optimize, improve. That's awesome. I that's can take great. any aspect of a travel program and describe ways for almost any category to reduce, optimize, or improve the program. So that's what we do. We, uh, we come up with suggestions after listening. You don't write a script until you do the MRI um, and then um, work with the client to implement the best integrated systems, not for today, but at least for the next three years. Five years is a stretch. I don't care what anyone says. Mm -hmm. Look back five years as to how much has changed, yep. the new entrants, the losses, the mergers, et cetera. I'm fine with a three-year window. Um, Five-year TMC agreement, but three-year window in terms of forecasting. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting because the car contracts, I mean, they, it, the, the contracts go five, 10 years, you know, there, there's contracts we have that are 10 years old. We're still charging the rates from, you know, the early two thousands. It, it is what it is. It's, it, it's the last thing on people's minds. It's like, if the car service is, we good, actually, what, at, the, at the beginning of COVID, we got, I guess, kind of lucky where everyone's like, you know what, let's do the car service RFP. Yeah. And we had a, we had a huge rush in March and April of like, okay, let's wrap it up. And they were wrapping up. They're like, okay, give us the answers in three days. We're going to wrap this up in two weeks. And we're like, okay, 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 okay. And like, that was a silver lining, a little bit of COVID that RFPs that were just lingering for nine months. 13 months, 15 months, all of a sudden they're like, okay, we have time now. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and uh, what comes to my mind is there are certain areas of travel that I don't believe should be designed around an RFP. All right. And I'll tell you one of them as an example is car rental. Um, I'll stick with ground transportation and come back to, to your, your uh, particular vertical. I had a client come to me that said, uh, Hey, we want to go out for a bid on car rental. Can you run the bid for us? I said, yeah, cost I could would be a waste of your money. 
Now, what consultant turns down a gig like that? I said, well, um, let me look at your data and see if I'm right. And sure enough, I was. They were spending six figures in refueling. I said, if you're looking to save money, a car rental RFP might save you a dollar a day. That doesn't equate to what you're wasting in refueling charges, which is employees, for whatever their reason, and I've had plenty, mm-hmm. um, don't refuel the car before they return it and pay nine, nine ten bucks a gallon. Mm-hmm. So that's one area. I would say also in your vertical, I'd rather uh, <clears throat> see an MSA than RFP, a master services agreement mm-hmm. that holds the ground transportation provider to some key performance indicators, service level agreement, et cetera. And I'd run the best three of you in parallel. That to me has a lot more value than how well can you answer a written question that you've already answered 110 times this year. Does that really tell them how reliable, how clean, how safe, how insured? I'm doing your commercial, but I'm answering your question. Um, No, you're you're the absolute truth. Why throw away the money or the time on an RFP? It's not an SAT exam. And if it were... (laughs) Have somebody else do it for you. I guess the idea of an RFP is to weed out is is they they choose right the top you know three or four global companies or the top five global or companies. for the or the regional companies. You or know, the re- there, right, there, exactly. there's there's other equation there's other you know questions to the answer of of who's involved in an RFP. Well, then pre pre qualify the players. Right. right. I got to tell you, we had an RFP last year. I'm not going to name the client, and um, we came in. This is a this is a big user of car. This is a this is like a, a gold standard in car service that you want you want to get this account. And we literally cold called them. We heard there was an RFP going, and we cold called, and they they brought us in. The RFP was over. It was done, or like they were in the process of it. And we we've been to, you know we've we've contacted people, and they're like, oh, we're in the middle of an RFP. We can't change it. Oh, all right, that's fine. Please. We were the, we were the thirty sixth entrant. Thirty sixth entrant, and within six months, within six months, we were fighting for number two, because we gave a kick ass presentation. I mean, we really. We, we nailed it. It was my mom, my brother, and I, and on, on this guy, Jim, that uh, we work with. And, and we flew out to where they, their headquarters are, and we met with them, and we met them uh, at the GBTA, and we sat down for lunch with them, and we talked about everything but business, because that's what it is to sell. You, you know, you yeah, know, because like we say, like we say all the time, everybody's got the same cars, everybody's got the same drivers, just like everyone's got the same reservation system, everyone's got the same airplanes, it's all the same stuff. So what makes you different and, and as we, a supplier and as a family-owned operation i'm not trying to sell the company here but like the idea of family-owned we're there for you for every step of the way because shit's going to happen issues do happen every day it, it does all the time. And, yeah and I'll, I'll share with you another anecdote <clears throat> i do have plenty of them but only those that i think are relevant um, on the issue of RFP, I worked for a very, I worked for a number of very large agencies. <clears throat> excuse me, and we were um, responding to an RFP for a very, very large pharmaceutical company, who at the time was using probably twenty-five to thirty different agencies. Yeah, and I know what goes on on the client side when the RFP comes in, because I saw it when I worked for the bank. They go right to whatever the section number is, which is finance. They don't read the other stuff. Yeah. Right. So um, I had the idea, and because I was the regional VP, I, I could do what I wanted. For the finance section, I had a colored glossy photo of a particular pill. And it said, if you can charge 90 bucks for a pill, we'd like five bucks a ticket. 
Yeah. Did it work? Yes, we won the we won the account. Yeah. Yeah. Of course yeah. you did. Course, um, I got to tell you, real go ahead, quick, Mike. Or, go ahead. I know what you were going to say. Well, I don't know if you're going to know this one, but when we, um, this is when I first started. This is like back in 2000, like 99, 2000. I was working at the company all throughout the 90s, but there was an RFP for a massive studio, and um, it was read, when it was when they first started doing RFPs for right, like the late 90s, right, mid right. to late 90s. And I, I was working at the company like on and off when I wasn't in school, and I looked at this RFP, and they made. You probably know who it is. I don't want to say who it is because we don't, don't have your clients. Don't. Yeah, but it, they they made it like my like um like, like a, a nursery rhyme, a fairy tale. Yeah, they they made my mom and dad's story of creating BLS like a fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Phyllis Oaken who grew up in right. as a teacher. And I'm reading it. I'm like, my God, this is brilliant. And we won the RFP, and they've been clients for thirty plus years. You have to be genuine. You That's exactly genuine. right. And if it's a cut and paste job the client will see right through you. If it's a cut and paste job, I liken it to screenwriting. I don't, I know this is so off base, but when I write a screenplay or when I read a screenplay, um, there's a guy uh, who writes screenplays. Um, his name escapes me. He wrote uh, the new Predator movie. He wrote, um, he's, he was in the original movie Predator. Uh, he directed Iron Man 3. Sean, Sean someone, Sean Black, Sean Black. Okay. When he writes screenplays, he does these little winks at at the at the thing like saying uh there's a there's a 20 there's 20 million dollars sitting on the table or or there's um there's this big massive house worth a hundred million dollars you know uh the, the type of house i'm gonna buy once this movie gets sold right you know so like he does these little winks you have to, to break the reader that breaks the reader and go oh my god this guy's talking to me he's talking to the audience and he sells scripts like that and and i write like that too and i instilled that in our team when we're doing rfps so like when you're saying like you what's have your to break, you like? have to break the fourth wall. That's exactly right. Yeah. You got to be a little Deadpool-ish and break the fourth wall. And let me tell it. you a little bit about cut and paste. Um, we've done um, dozens upon dozens of uh, RPs over the years, mostly TMC bids. And as you folks know, if you look at the BTN Corporate Travel 100, three TMCs, one HRG was independent, four had 98 out of 100 in any given year. Oh, yes, of course, the landscapers are here. Um, I'll do my best. <laughs> landscapers anyway. only work in the apocalypse. It, <laughs> landscapers and pool people. Cindy said to me, close your doors uh, because the dog's going to bark at the landscapers. And I said, nah, I'm not That's worried. Yes. Anyway, um, so because we do so many RFPs, the TMCs kind of got used to knowing where the questions were, having their answers handy. So they could almost reuse the prior RFP and just slap the answers in. So just to mix it up and make sure they were reading uh, my RFPs, uh, we changed the ordering of the questions. I can't tell you how many answers came in that did not tie to that question number. Yep. 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 They don't read. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Goes right to pricing. Mm -hmm. That's it. But you know that go that goes into the question is no, but Eric, the idea that they oh, hold they on tricked, they tr they right. tricked the right. they tricked the company right no right. no no I, I hear that so does that mean that there needs to be a reinvention of the RFP is that what you're trying to do? Uh, no, not necessarily. Well, it depends for hotel RFP. Yes, on a TMC side, the way we've always handled it is when the RFPs come in, I have two teams reviewing them. Team A, which I sit on, only looks at the financial offering, none of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Team B, of which there's a minimum of three, ideally five consultants, reads all of the RFP responses, but has no idea as to the pricing. So here's the logic. 
Interesting. If if your review if if Eric is reviewing the TMC grid of questions and answers, and they know TMC A offered a million dollar signing bonus, TMC B offered five million, it may influence how you score, because uh, you may think, well, the one that only offered five bucks, there's no chance of prevailing. So. I'm going to skip through it. So I separate church and state by not having the same group of consultants have visibility to finance or questions. They're in two different firewalls. When they're done, they could see the other side. So um, no, um, I don't want to reinvent the TMC RFP. Others have written articles to it. And here's my view. I may be giving away some trade secrets, but that's what, that's what you guys bring out. Um, I insist as a matter of a business practice that whoever prevails as the TMC in a bid, their RFP response is attached to the contract as an exhibit. Hmm. And we tell them, that, tell them that ahead of time. So salesperson, caveat emptor, if you're going to put in responses that you haven't checked with operations, finance, account management, or otherwise, understand you're creating um, enforceable contract terms in your answers. Mm -hmm. That improves the response process. So we use the RFP to help those on the client side who don't know the brand names out there as mm -hmm. to what the capabilities are. Because if you do it just on brand recognition, some of the TMCs would never make the first cut because they're not household names because they're not retail. So mm -hmm. the RFP still belongs on the TMC side, in my view, even though three companies, you know, Amex, BCD, CWT, have 98 of the 100 uh, CT100, right. but there's another 100,000 out there that are mixed up amongst other very strong global and regional players. So I say the RFP stays. Mm -hmm. I would certainly change the model for hotel. I wouldn't waste my time on, on RFPs for ground transportation. I'd rather see pre-qual. Pre-qualify the bidder pool based on, as you know, uh, years in business, insurance, references, uh, not how well you answer a question that, that doesn't really tie to the reliability or the performance of your company. So what would you change about hotels? Well, don't get me started. I did an article on that, that RFP should be RIP. Um, there's a bunch of really um, dumb questions in the RFP. My favorite is how far away from the local police station is your hotel? If it were Mayberry or Petticoat Junction, yeah, I'm dating myself, then there's a logic in how quickly can the police get to your building. It has no value. My view is that the uh, hotels should be able to push out in a commonly used database all of the property info. Then the buyer needs only negotiate the terms, mm -hmm. the price. Don't make them answer 196 questions they, that they answered last year. And as long as the building hasn't been sold or hasn't gone through major renovations, then 90% of the 200 questions have the same answers last year. It's creating work for third-party consultants. We're a third-party consultant. Um, I tried to avoid hotel RFPs and instead, forgive me, uh, talk about optimizing reducing the number of hotels in the program and improving the the um, traveler experience. That to me makes more sense than putting out SAT questions every year, especially this they, year. Why do they why do they go for hotel RFPs every single year? It feels good. 
What? Really? There's like a hotel so there's, RFP? There's no good reason. Uh, remember I said transparency is our best currency? That's what was in my head, and that's what I said. I'll, I'll elaborate on it. If I'm in procurement, and I've been doing this for a few years, or I'm new to procurement, or I'm new to the company, I'm going to want to establish a baseline and some credibility. Mm-hmm. And RFP has some credibility, like, look what I've done. I've put together, uh, I, I invited a 1,000 hotels. Um, I selected 600. We'll probably only use 200, but I've selected 600. Mm-hmm. And based on the hotels that I've selected, my average daily rate is going to go from 250 a night to 220 a night. Therefore, I've got a 12% savings. That's math. It's not reality. Mm-hmm. Here's the reality, Michael. Mathematically, and this is for the last decade and a half, barely 50% of all corporate hotel bookings go through the approved TMC. So my recommendation is instead of continuing to focus via RFP on the half of the business you control, go to the C-level, make the business case why you need to know where every employee is staying, not every other employee. And then go back to your hotel properties and say, I can now double my volume in L.A., New York, Chicago. And then say, let's take New York City, where I have 52 hotels, and I'm going to double my volume. I'm going to take the 52 down to 22. But in exchange for doing that, Michael and Eric, what better deal can you give my travelers if I truly make you one of the preferred, Mm -hmm. if I improve hotel attachment, if I communicate with my travelers on the value of a preferred hotel, to me, that type of process has way more value than pushing out an Excel spreadsheet for somebody to, a hotel person, of which there are so few left, respond to irrelevant questions if they've answered them 12 months ago. Right, right. That, that to me, is the better, the better use of time. Andy, what happens? So, so let's say you have your list of hotels that you're going to say for this, this is good for this company, the airlines, the car rental and the car service. And I'm going to just, I'm going to stick with our industry because I don't know what, what issues occur in hotels, but with the car service, let's say you vouch for BLS and two other global providers for argument's sake, and and Mm. we're selected. And the first five rides are just messed up, right? The, the, the phone wasn't picked up in time. Uh, they sent the wrong driver. Uh, the phone number didn't match up to the driver's car. The wrong, yeah, the wrong pickup was entered. The right. wrong pickup was entered. It, it, it's just you know, it's always I always call it the um the, the transition period. Of any new company that co- comes on with us, we always say there's going to be a transition. With this is dating. We have to learn what you like. You have to learn how we operate, and we will mesh together. But you have to give us you have to give us a shot. And there's the, everyone always does. There's only been maybe like one or two companies over the last twenty years that I've been doing this that have said, we're not using you. It's just not going to work out. And they go back to their previous vendor or whatever the case. If you vouch for someone and they kind of mess up, like how do, do the, do the company, does the company come back to you and go like, how dare you bring on a company like this to us? Like they're not good. Yeah. How do you take, do you take that credit? Do you go back to the car service and go, you guys are going to lose this? You know, what are you doing? Or is the relationship now with us and that corporation uh, where we have to fix it with them. Like, how do you how do you deal with that? My answer is going to be a bit shorter than the question, but I will tie it together. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of a principle, we don't recommend a particular supplier when we're running a bid. Oh, okay. It, okay. Um, and we're able to do that uh, because of the independence in that uh, PTC does not take on engagements with the supplier community. 
we don't have uh, airlines, hotels, TMCs, car service companies, or otherwise as as clients. Therefore, we're neutral. Gotcha. But because we're being paid to help the company uh, select the right vendors, uh, and I hate the word vendor. I wrote, wrote, I did that in my acceptance speech at BTN. A vendor sells fruit from a pushcart. <laughs> <laughs> your suppliers, your partners, get rid of that freaking vendor word. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what we've come up with is we do scorecards. So the first scorecard is done by an independent team of PTC um, on the RP responses. Mm -hmm. When I present that scorecard back to the client, I don't give the agency name. I say TMC A, B, C, D, Y, because if they see the name, there's going to be a degree of bias. So what we try to do is make the decision as unemotional as possible, as apolitical as possible, but as mathematically scientific as can be done. So step one is the scorecard that we do. Then the client has to do a scorecard, and then we compare the scorecards. From that, we narrow down the finalists. Then we bring the finalists in person. These days, it's going to be remote, but they present, and that's where we guide the client and I'm going to pound the desk. Don't pick the best goddamn PowerPoint presentation. This is not Hollywood. That's not an audition. Pick the best partner. So we'll do a second scorecard for the in-person presentations. I guide the client towards how to fill out the scorecard. I don't do one for exactly the same reason. But I will dispel the bullshit. So when a TMC is showing this really cool reporting tool, I will probably in the room, if I think they're being disingenuous, say, well, doesn't that software belong to It's a third party? Yes, it does. So I'm, I have the, I like to say I have an MBA in BS and I'll <laughs> help the client. I'll help the client cut through that. So now we're down to your, your, your original, uh, you know, magical question, Michael, which is great. We've gone through the process. We've helped them pick the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I avoid it? Um, uh, spilling back on us or getting a black eye because I'm part of that very same team. Right. And the answer is you lower the expectations. There was a, uh, there's a story about a diner in the Midwest that on the menu, it says, if a service doesn't live up to your expectations, lower your expectations. That's, that's we George, use that all the time. George Carlin. It's great. Thank yeah, you. you know, my yeah. needs aren't being met. My, yeah, need, yeah. my needs aren't right. being met. Drop, Drop some, some of your needs. Right. Right. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll let the client know they Flawless implementation is an oxymoron. It's not going to happen. All right. It'll be worse than your incumbent, but your incumbent has had 12 years to perfect their act. Right. Let's recognize that there's going to be issues, Mm -hmm. especially because this is an industry where the provider doesn't have total control over the experience. You have some control. You can't control the New Jersey Turnpike, the Pope coming into town, et cetera. So we, we avoid the the challenges that you'll get internally. Why did you switch suppliers? We were really happy with the one we had. You know what? Look back in a year and tell me if I made a mistake. So it's really having the client understand that um, there is a cost of change. There is a pain of change. No different when I redid my kitchen. A lot of dust, big mess, a lot of noise. I don't talk about it anymore. It's how much better the experiences. So get past the transaction and follow the flow of the improvement because it's really, it's an investment in improvement. It's not a cost of change. 
Yes, I, that was amazing. I think I mean, my answer was as long as the question. So no, it was it worked out. It, it was great. It, wor- it worked out great, yeah. and I feel like you're doing a real service to corporations with how you run your business because um, I think the cream will rise to the top, and the best vendor will definitely win when you run an RFP that way. Yeah, and if they don't, and I've had it happen, where we were doing the scorecards, and I would hear from one of the uh, folks on the client side. I like TMC number two. I like their presentation. I said, which one? What was number two? She didn't even know the name of the TMC. She just remembered the presentation. I said, so you like the presentation? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe your marketing department can hire them to do your PowerPoints. We're picking a travel services provider. Of this presentation team, four out of the five will never um, interface with your company again. So you're picking what's behind door number two without even seeing the curtain being open. Um, the scorecard is the best way uh, to prevent hearing from the worst person in any company, and that's the VP of hindsight. <laughs> you're gonna, yeah. These are these are mankisisms. They make per- they make perfect sense. It, you you get the yeah. visual, which is someone somewhere going to second guess the process. That's why when we run the RFP, we do it through an online tool that the client has access to twenty four seven. I don't let the TMCs email us RFP responses. There's too much risk in that. Mm-hmm. We also have the TMC bring flash drive copies of their presentation that they have the presentation too. One we hold, one I give to the client. So no matter what happens, there's 100% transparency of every step of the way. Because at some point, that VP of hindsight is going to question, how did you choose the bitter pool? Why did you eliminate my brother-in-law's company? (laughs) Okay. Why couldn't you just work things out? There's a million questions you'll get asked. But as long as you have a structured process that's auditable, and the client owns the process, not the consultant. Uh, it will prevail the test of time because the decision was made using science, not emotion. That's amazing. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. I've I've heard you talk about the, uh, the financial industry. Is has that been your primary focus over? You said uh, some pharmaceutical and finance. Has that been your primary focus over the last twenty plus years? No, it hasn't. I, and I get asked that just like I've been told, well, you know, you're going to have to customize your RP for our industry. <laughs> well, unless you're in row one, every person sitting in front of you looks the same from the back of their head. You don't know what industry is. I don't dispute that there are nuances. Pharma has some unique regulatory requirements to document, you know, the travel procurement process. We don't focus in any particular vertical, Michael, I can tell you. We've had companies with spend as low as a million Mm -hmm. uh, to those with spend in the hundreds of millions. Mm -hmm. The primary protocols, it's not easy to say, the primary protocols that we put into place are the same, large or small. Mm -hmm. The differences in the detail in terms of the spend numbers, the number of countries, uh, the uh, impact of the policy, The uh, amount of time uh, required to uh, transition TMCs, because I can tell you, mathematically, in the majority of cases where we've done a TMC RFP, the client changed TMCs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, we've done pharma, uh, medical, banking, advertising, 
entertainment, broadcast, mm-hmm. manufacturing, mm-hmm. you name it. Um, there, you know, I, I took a look of the CT100. I hope this doesn't sound like a commercial. 32, not quite a third, have been clients of ours. Very so nice. if you look at that list, they're in all kinds of verticals. That's amazing. Yeah. And it may cause bleeding out of the ears, right? Like a, like a drug commercial. Yeah. It may cause bleeding out of the ears and, you know, you won't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> well, all right. Here you go. This, so the, the key, I guess, to this whole RFP thing is what's the purpose of it? If it's to justify and document why you stayed with the incumbent, don't do it. I had a company reach out to me and say, I want to hire you to do an RFP for agency. I said, okay. How long have you been with the agency? Well, it's been 10 years. We have no intention of changing. We just want to see what the prices are. Yep. Andy, I, I got to tell you that we've done we've done dozens of RFPs, you know, th- each year, right? And half of them, you you just don't win because all they're trying to do is is lower the price for their current vendors. Say, well, listen, we went to market, right? And now instead of paying a hundred dollars for an, uh, an airport transfer, well, these companies want to do it for sixty, and. You know, you'll you lose them. And then it really stings you when you're when the companies that you work with for the last 20, 30 years that you've provided good service for, that you take care of. Yeah, it's, they, it's do, they do it to you. There are time we there are times where we had to stand our ground saying if you have to go with the other companies, we understand we can't go for these rates. It'll put us out of business. And the company either stays or they don't, or they bring on that new vendor for the cheap rates. But yes, right. I'll I'll tie two things together. So uh, in that one particular case where the procurement person was honest and said, we have no intention of changing. We just want to hire PTC uh, to run our bids so that we can go back to the incumbent and get better pricing. I said, "Um, what you're really talking about is not an RFP. It's incumbent squeezing. Yep. I don't want to be a participant in it. I, I would rather not take your money because the TMCs rely on PTC to run an honest bid. An honest bid means every qualified entity will have a chance to bid every bid will be stacked up against your competition in a neutral playing field what you're asking me to do uh is it's it's fraud is i i just won't do it now michael on the subject of pricing i've had um, people come to me and say you know i looked at your fees and you're you're way more expensive than another bidder and i've given two answers one is I'm $2 more per minute than the psychic hotline. <laughs> How do you want to spend your money? And the other is, um, there's a great expression, price, service, quality. Mm-hmm. Pick any two. Right. You'll, all, you'll always find a lower bidder. 100%. You get what you, get what you pay for. I, I, so. I hate doing that. Like I, I hate being scammed like that too, where we're get we get invited to a massive RFP, right? And and we're we're like getting the champagne ready, like we're ready to pop the champagne, and then you don't get it, and because when you you get get friendly with the procurement people and the analysts and everything, saying yeah, any reason why we didn't get it, and they go, listen, they stayed with their current vendor. It's like so, why even bother going to RFP? And you know, so we 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 ice the champagne some more for the next time. Listen, you know, but that's the, yeah. it's the nature. It's the nature of the beast. It's, it's annoying. Nature, it's the nature of travel. It's like Charlie Brown kicking that football. Yes, yes. Damn, man, you should write a book, man. I've been told that. Um, I really I have should. to learn. For, I'd have to learn from Phyllis. Or yeah. I'm sure a lot, a lot of work goes into it. Start, start a podcast. You're good. You're good at those webinars. I must say. Well, thanks. Thanks. 
It was yeah. a pleasure. I don't know how many people would believe some of the stuff in the book because quite a bit is unbelievable. <laughs> I think with that, we will wrap it up. We All appreciate right. you coming on, Andy. Thanks for inviting me. It's and been, did you have fun? Great. You like that? I really did. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I love the fact that there's no rehearsal, no prep. Just here's yeah. the link, put on your headset and get that's ready for our, a chat. That's our, yeah. that's our style. Where can people find you? Uh, our website is partnership TC. T like travel, C like consulting, partnershiptc.com. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Awesome. Wonderful. Andy, thanks for coming on, man. That was fun. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks, Andy. Uh, Talk to you guys soon. Like, subscribe, comment, and share. Andy, hang on one second. We're going to sign off. Yeah, I'm going to uh, end the uh, show right now. Hold on.